If you got your Bibles, if you would, turn with me uh, to the book of John. Man, I had, uh, I tell you, I, I, I took a lot of time yesterday to kind of uh, continue to prepare, and uh, I worked on several messages. I, I've got several, and I had one that was just right. It was just right. I had the, just the, the one that was going to be for today, and it was going to be, I, I, uh, I'll give you a, a crash course real quick just so I can get it out of my system. Uh, but uh, it was going to be the, 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 the far are, are, are close, and the close are very far. And it was going to be about the three magi that came and uh, how they, uh, how they, uh, they were a thousand miles away, yet they made it to the manger. And then the ones who were the priests and scribes in that same passage of scripture in Matthew, where it says, and after the birth of Jesus, that's how he starts it. Then they were there and Herod turns to them and asks about the king and they quote Micah 5 to him. And yet they're five miles away. It's like sitting on row two or three of the church all your life and you're right within the proximity of Jesus Christ and the altar and yet you miss him. They quoted the scripture. They quoted the verse. And the far made it to him by the blood of the lamb and the near who were right there, right there, knew the scripture, knew prophecy, knew everything and yet they missed the whole thing. Don't let that be you today. Do not let that be you. Another little great three-point sermon I had was, was uh, great news, good news, great joy to all people. Good news, he was born, the angels declared, this is good news that will lead to great joy, and it's not just to some people, but it's to all people. There was your little three-point sermons, two of them. You'd have been out of here so quick, and we'd have had candlelight and communion, and that would have been it. Right? But God, amen? But this morning, God wrecked all that, and I want to talk to you about a heavier subject, but a good subject, and it's one that I think is much needed, and this is called Christmas theology that many people get wrong. Christmas theology that many people get wrong. And it was revealed here just a week ago in a Wednesday night class. Christmas theology that many today are getting wrong and we must get it right. I would rather you leave here worshiping the true God than worshiping a God of, that you've created and miss the God of the Bible, right? That many are doing today, right? Right? So bear with me, put the stove on idle a little bit, you'll get there to lunch, but let's get something today that will change our lives, amen? So let's pray and let's, let's, let's make sure we have the full picture of the God who became a man, amen? So Father, we love you. God, it's so good. I feel good in this room today, God. People are excited. This is a happy time of year. It's a sad time of year for some people. We, 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 we understand that, God. And we just pray that today, whether people are, 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 are happy or they're struggling today, that you would just be God to them and that you would minister mightily. I pray that those that feel a thousand miles away from you today would know they can be near you in just a matter of seconds. They can find the babe. They can find the babe who grew 
grew up and, and, and gave his life as a ransom. And they can go a thousand miles away in just a few seconds and be right there at the throne of Jesus. And so, Lord, if those that are here today that are far from you, God, let them, let them, let them draw near to you. You said if we draw nigh unto you, you'll draw nigh unto us. And so, Father, speak to our hearts today. Help us to get the full picture of, 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 of both this, this God who was fully divine in God, who became a fully, fully a man, and Lord, and dwelt among us. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts today and change our lives through the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Again, I want to make sure we get the full, full picture of God uh, today. Uh, we, we all own vehicles, right? And we all know how to operate, operate those vehicles. Most of us, we all had to have vehicles because we don't have public transportation. So we all take a vehicle and we all know how to do the basic operation of that vehicle. We can put that vehicle in reverse and get out of our driveway. We can put that vehicle in, in, in uh, drive and get uh, to there. We know the basics of uh, putting blinkers on. My wife got on to me this morning for not putting on mine at a key place uh, that I should have. And so we, some of us know how to use blinkers and some... Don't, but, but, but all of those things, we know how to stop and start the car, all that. Some of our cars have push button and, uh, and some of them have crank uh, ignition. And unless you're like Luke back there who's really mechanically inclined and, and that sort of thing. We know how to operate a, a, a vehicle, uh, but there's a difference in knowing how to operate it and knowing how the vehicle operates. And usually it's only a mechanic that we take our car to to know. You open the hood and... I'm in trouble, right? But I can back it up, I can go, but you open some of the hoods on the car and all of a sudden, so, so I, I know how to operate the car, but I don't know how the vehicle operates. And unfortunately, that's the relationship that many people have with theology. And they, you, you know that you're a Christian and you know there's certain things that you are supposed to believe, but you don't really know why you believe them. And that's a big problem in the world today that we have, especially with the, with the dangers of social media, that we can just throw ideas and opinions and this and that everywhere. And, 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 uh, and there's an aspect of the theological vehicle that we don't understand enough, and it revolves very much around Christmas today, the, the, the point that we're going to look at, and that's the incarnation of God becoming flesh. That's, that, that's what we are really looking at today. And I want you to look at the Word of God with me in John 1. I'm sorry, I, didn't have a, 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 I had a great PowerPoint for the other message, and I have nothing for this one. So just bear with me and let's go. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all men uh, might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives uh, light to everyone, uh, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not uh, know him. He came to his own, and his own people did 
not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace Upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, only the, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known to us. Wow. Now over the years, there is a tendency, I believe in today's world, to over-humanize Jesus at the cost of his divinity. I think this society has begun. We want to overhumanize and and listen, he was human. And that is a comfort that we can that we can understand this God who was fully human and became a man and 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 that that feels good to know that he can sympathize and empathize with our weaknesses but we do not need to overemphasize Jesus humanity at the cost of his deity we need to hold these in balance they're not like a seesaw that we go back and forth with one or the other they they have equal emphasis that we're supposed to have on both the fullness of being a man and the fullness of being God. And that's what we want to understand here. Because as we could see a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of confusion on this topic by a lot of people and even in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, we're, we're, we're overemphasizing usually one and lightening the other. And we don't hold him in balance, like I said, with equal emphasis. We, we, we want him to be so relatable that we forget he's God. But folks, he is God. He is fully God. And we cannot overemphasize one at the detriment of the other. Let me give you a few examples of some of the things that are said today by people. And some of them are very extreme and some of them not so. Some of them sound good, but you got to really listen close. And I think we do have to be nitpicky on this topic. Okay, here's one of the most overt things that people have said. There is no way that Jesus was always divine. These are some of the things that you will hear say. Maybe it happened later on in his baptism. Or maybe it happened somewhere along the line. And they think they're being reverent by saying, no way God would have come and, and, and allowed himself to sit in the lap of a, of a mother and to suck at the breast or to, or to have to have his diapers changed. And so that's something that, that, that is said today, but it's absolute heresy. Because John says in verse 14 that the Word became flesh. And according to that type of thinking, that would mean the flesh became Word. 
And that would mean that, that God could choose any regular person in this room that He wanted to, to, to go to the cross and die. But that's not what He did. That's absolutely false. He was fully God, and yet He was fully man. Not chosen by God, and then empowered. That's us. We were chosen by God, and then empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's not he, what He was. Jesus was and is always God. And he took on and added to himself a human existence. He was God. And he took on and added to himself a human existence. He did not become divine. He always was divine. Now here's another one. Jesus clearly emptied himself of some of the divine attributes. He had a body and was in one place at one time, so he couldn't have been omnipresent. Come on, we've heard people say that. But it's false. Because he's no longer God if you remove his attributes. If he's no longer omnipotent and he's no longer omnipresent, then, then he's limited. And God is not limited by geographical locations. In fact, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Just his eyes are in every place. Oh, they see you on the computer. Oh, they see you flirting with the girl in the office that, while your wife's home. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Right? He's omnipresent. He, he, they're, they're everywhere. He, he's not limited by geographical location. And, and, and you can't take any one of those attributes away from Jesus Christ or you take away His divinity. Jesus, His divine nature was not stifled by the limitations of His body. It did not stifle Him one iota. Here's another. Jesus never performed a, a miracle by His own power, but it was always by the Holy Spirit's power. You ever heard that? Jesus, in other words, Jesus emptied Himself of His omnipotence in order to rely on the, uh, to, to, to model a Spirit-led ministry in front of us. It sounds very logical, but it is not right. It's not biblical. You are going to do greater. They say, here's what they use. Jesus said, we're going to do greater things than He did. And so in order to do greater things than he did, uh, then, then, then we've got to do those by the Spirit. He had to do those by the Spirit's power and not his own power. But that's not right. If you take away any attribute, then he, then he still can't be divine. And folks, you're stripping him of his omnipotence. And that's just not right. If he's not all-powerful all God, then he's not God at all. He is fully God and he's fully man. Amen? Just because he didn't use his power doesn't mean he didn't have his power. Come on. Matthew 12, 28. I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. So he did rely on the Spirit of God at times. In Mark 2 it says, he, 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 he said, I the Son have the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said, I, I as the Son of Man have the authority. The authority is in me. He didn't say by the Spirit. He said, I have the authority to forgive sins. And when he walks on water in Matthew 14, is that man performing a miracle by the power of the Spirit? Or is that the Creator taming His creation? I like the latter. Yeah. 
He's dependent on a mother, yet he's holding the whole world together by the word of his power. Fully God, yet fully man. Let me give you another one. Jesus left his glory behind and came to earth to save us. Sounds pretty right, and there are some truths. It depends on what you mean by by that statement. Jesus did leave glory. He left the throne of heaven. He did take on the form of quite literally what the Bible says, or the Greek says, a household slave. So he could serve people that would murder him. The very people he created. And the ones who he knew in his mother's womb would one day grow up and nail him to a tree. That's what our Creator did. That's what our God did. Full well knowing this. And yet, uh, the Bible says that, 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 uh, that he did did this, but he didn't leave his personal glory behind. He was still full of glory. He might have left the glories of angels and the glories of heaven, but he was full of of his own personal glory. And it's false to say that he left his personal glory behind. You say, I thought he was an ordinary human. Well, read the transfiguration and look what takes place on that place on that mountain. That That is where he meets with Moses and Elijah up on that mountain and he begins to shine with all of this glory. And it's not a man who has the glory of God coming upon him. No, that's what happened to Moses. The glory of God came and fell upon Moses and his face shone when he came down the mountain. That is not what is happening to the Son of Man. That's what happened to Gideon and David. The the, the glory of God would come down upon them. The Spirit of God would come upon them and they would do mighty things through the power of God and through the power of the Spirit. But when Jesus is transfigured on the mountain it is called metamorphosis. That's the, the Greek word metamorpho comes to metamorphosis and it means a change from the inside out. It is not glory coming upon him. It is glory that is being seen coming out of that flesh that has enwrapped him. Amen. He's unveiling his glory to these people. He's unveiling His glory to the world. You think you are walking and talking with the rabbi that's like all the others. No, son, you are not. You are talking with the God who made the mountain on Mount Sinai quake. You are talking with the God who made Isaiah feel undone and like he was unclean. You are talking with the God who formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed nostrils of breath into his body and he became a living spirit soul. That's who you're talking to. I'm unveiling that so you can see my glory. He did not leave glory behind. Or he, 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 he did leave glory behind, but not his glory. Fully God. Fully God. He, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The fullness All of God packed into somehow, I do not understand it, just like we struggle with the Trinity. Somehow this mystery is so much. He packed all of God into a tiny baby. Somehow. Somehow. Some way. It's not God minus. It's the fullness of God adding a human nature to Himself. God adding a human nature. He came with all that He is. 
That's how he came. He, he came. He, he brought all the beauty that, that of his, all the splendor, all the power, all the glory, and wrapped that in a baby's body and that he appeared in. God veiled in a tiny human body. That's what it was. God veiled in that body. Somehow the glory of the infinite God was veiled in a baby boy 2,000 years ago. And it says in that moment, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and what that word dwelt means in the Greek it means he tabernacled and John is being very deliberate in his writing he is taking us back to Exodus 33 and 34 he is taking us back there on purpose Jacob because he is taking us back to Moses at the tent of meeting he is wanting us to go back there and he is wanting us to remember that God tabernacled in a tent of meeting and it wasn't just Moses build this tent of meeting but it was meet me at this tent of meeting. And that's what God is taking the readers here too. And the Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we now have seen His glory. The glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Now He has made Him known to us. He's making an important comparison right here between Jesus tabernacling with us and Moses at the tent of meeting. God met us in the tent with animal skins, but now God meets us in humanity in the true tent. His name is Jesus Christ. God manifested His glory in and over tent skins. God manifested His ultimate glory in the true tent, Jesus. God wrote His law on stone for Moses and God reveals His heart in His Son, Jesus Christ. Moses spoke to God face to face. But John tells us it wasn't face to face like you think because no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side in the bosom of the Father. That one, when you come to that tabernacle, He has made Him known to you. And the reason He can make Him known to you is He is God. Jesus knows God and He is God. Hallelujah. And the place of meeting where God and man can come together now and interact in uninhibited fellowship is the temple called Jesus. He tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us so that now this is the meeting place of God. His name shall be called Jesus. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Because He God with us. Now we come to that tent. We come to that meeting place. And the glory of God is revealed. And the voice of God speaks to us. And we hear and know God at the tabernacle that is now put in for us. And that, uh, there with us. Jesus' divinity was not diminished by humanity, but it was veiled behind it. 
Jesus' divinity was not diminished by humanity. It was veiled behind it. Just like the glory of God was veiled behind the curtain in the tabernacle, just like the majesty of God was covered in that tent that was with what the body of Jesus was. It was the perfect temple. It was the veil for the glory of God so that people could actually approach God. And now it's not just us approaching God. Now it is God approaching people. Yeah. Some of you don't get it, but I wish you would. Now He is fully divine, and now He is fully human. The meeting place of God. That's why we tell you every week, there is only one way to the Father. There's only one way to God. You can't know Him any other way. Because God made Himself known in this way through His Son. Amen. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the I Am that I Am. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And these natures are distinct, and yet they are harmoniously indwelling in the same person. Distinct yet harmonious. And why this way? Why come like this? One of the church fathers, Augustine, early church fathers, wrote a poem. And listen to what he says. The maker of man became man that he, the ruler of stars, might be nourished at his mother's breast. That he, the bread, might hunger. That he, the fountain, might thirst. That he, the light, might sleep. That he, the way, might be weary by the journey. That he, the truth, might be accused by the false witnesses. That he, the judge of the living and the dead, might be brought to trial by a mortal judge. That he, justice, might be condemned by the unjust. That he, discipline, might be scourged with whips. That he, the foundation, might be suspended upon a cross. That courage might be weakened. That healer might be wounded. That life might be death. So why the incarnation? So he could die. Why did Jesus take on a human body? So he could be murdered. Hebrews 2.14 Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood He himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So he could identify with us and destroy everything that destroys us. That is awesome. So that he could identify with us and destroy everything that destroys us. Us. Amen. Jesus entered into our emptiness so he could fill us. So grace could be given uh, in place of the law. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the right hand of the Father's side. He has made him fully known to us. He became like us so he could introduce us to the Father and we could join back what we were separated from in the garden. My friend, I want you to know more than just looking at a little nativity and a baby in a manger. There is so much more in the incarnation that you must understand in order to have the fullness of it. Amen? And then taking on human flesh. 
the eternal God became flesh and he pierced the darkness. Light of the world, you stepped out into darkness. It was dark. And this baby pierced the darkness. I'm so sick of hearing, she was a light, he was a light. All that new age mess. The only light is the light of the world. And if he's shining in you, you might have a light. But John was not the light. That's the true light. Man, stop. We're getting brainwashed by so much new age, mystical, other religions around the world. Stick with this right here. You need to know this book right here. The taking on of human life pierced the darkness. And everyone here who believes that receives the power, then receives the power to become sons of God. Daughters of God. So the question is, in closing, how much of this are you experiencing? How much are you experiencing? Are you, are you, do you see the, the, the fullness? Am I missing the full weight of the glory of what took place on Christmas? Am I, do I really understand? Did I come in here with a real understanding? of, uh, uh, Or is it just I know how to, I know the Christianese to say, oh, he was a virgin birth. Oh, he, was, he came from Mary. Do I have just enough Christian jargon to turn the blinker and back up the car? Or do I really, really open the hood and understand what's going on? And the weight of what really took place when God became human flesh and dwelt among us. Is the Jesus that you are acknowledging this Christmas the Jesus revealed in this Bible? And if He is, then your only response as we go into communion, your only response, and as we do candlelight, and as we close, is to fall on your knees or to lift up your voice or to raise your hands and say, Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Because you realize that's not just another baby who becomes a God. This is God. Who takes on humanity. When you get to heaven you will see. Now. Jesus. Fully God. And you will see a man. Fully man. The head of the human race. The one who died and buried and rose from the dead. We're going to sing. And we're going to worship him.